God that he never, he never makes a mistake. Amen. He never makes a mistake. He has said he would never leave us nor forsake us. How many of y'all like that new? That kind of goes back to the old Pentecostal church, don't it? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord another hand. Didn't appreciate, yeah, appreciate the... <clears throat> Appreciate the band, appreciate all of our multimedia team, all of them do such a wonderful job here on time and practice, and uh, I just ask you, ask you to be praying for Tina, she got a phone call two or three weeks ago to lead worship at a ladies conference uh, coming up this weekend, so I ask that you be lifting her up in prayer, will you do that as she leads worship coming up this coming uh, Friday and uh, Friday and Saturday at a ladies conference at a <clears throat> that they're having away from here. So just be praying for her. If you got your Bibles, go to Daniel chapter 7. And we're going to start in verse uh, 25. And we'll read a few passages of Scripture there. And then we're going to flip over to the New Testament. And we're going to read out of Matthew chapter 24 and verse, um, verse 12. Praise the Lord. How many last week I spoke a few minutes on fear. How many have felt better this week? As you've prayed and asked God to remove some fear out of your life, <clears throat> praise the Lord. Daniel chapter, it's good to see Jeff with us. Jeff uh, Price works a lot on Sunday, but it, it's good to have him worshiping with us this morning, Brother Jeff. Amen. Daniel chapter 7 and verse uh, 25. Verse 25. Let's read it. Um, let's read it together. He will speak against the Most High and oppress his holy people. And try to change the set times and the laws. He will, he will oppress his holy people, his, uh, the people that love God, the people that are going to church, the people that are dedicated to God. And try to change the set times and the laws. He'll try to change the commandments. He'll try to, um, he'll try to lie to God's people and deceive God's people. Talking about the last days. And the holy people will be delivered into his hands for a time and time and half and a time. But the court will set and his power will be taken away. Can you say amen? And completely be destroyed forever. The sovereignty, power, and greatness of all his kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy, most, holy people of the Most High. And his kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom. And all rulers will worship and obey him. This is the end of the matter. I, Daniel, was deeply troubled by my thoughts, and my face turned pale, but I kept the matter to myself. The blessing of the reading of God's Word, Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12, just one verse of Scripture here. <clears throat> and because of the increase of wickedness and the love of most, will grow cold. I would want to go ahead and read verse 13. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Let's read Matthew um, 12 again. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most. That's a, that's a scary scripture there. That, that's a scary scripture. The love of most will grow cold. Father, we thank you for the divine word of the living God. And we ask you this morning that you will hide me behind the cross and that I will hear the words that you would have me to hear from your voice. 
And Father, I ask you to bless our congregation that they will have ears to hear not what I'm saying, but they'll have ears to hear what the Spirit is speaking to them this morning in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Praise God. Excuse me. Daniel chapter 7 and verse 25 and Matthew chapter 24 and uh, verse 12 um, paints a a picture, um, Daniel speaking into the future and Matthew speaking into the future, paints a, a picture of what's going to happen in the last days, the last days before the coming of the Lord. It, it, it uh, takes a canvas and it paints a picture. It's uh, uh, words that really uh, hit to the heart. It's words that just speak straight to the heart about the truth of what's going on in the last days. It pinpoints it out. How many of you know the Bible says that God knows the beginning uh, into the end. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows, uh, he knows your life. He, he knows what you're going to go through. And he's, the Bible says, as I want to encourage you, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But these passages of Scripture, they, they pin a point to you and I and paint a canvas of what's going to happen in the last days. Now, I want to ask you this question, and I've asked you this question before, but Uh, How many of you believe that we are living in the last days? Uh, If you listen to anything that's going on in Washington, D.C., if you see where they're getting ready to put another uh, uh, judge in, and you see the Democrats and the Republicans uh, just fighting, and you just see the way our our nation is, and you, you see the turmoil, uh, in homes, you see the turmoil in marriages, you see the turmoil between families, um, you see the fighting and the bickering, and you even see church members not getting along, and you just see the, the, the things that are going on in our world. The Bible says that it's going to get worse and worse. Actually, the scripture says it's going to wax worse and worse. As we go towards the end time of the coming of uh, uh, the Lord. So Daniel paints this picture. And Matthew paints this uh, a picture. Um, and he says that. <clears throat> he says in Daniel chapter 7 verse 25. And I want to use these words. And I want to use for a title. If I was going to title the, my sermon. It would be beware saints. Beware. The caution signs are up. Beware. Beware that the coming of the Lord is near. Beware that the caution signs are up. Beware that the Bible speaks the truth and very clearly that the end, what's going to happen in the end times. So Daniel uh, pins this very clearly in verse number 25. In this one verse, he said, the words, he said that, and he speaks great words, this is talking about the enemy, against the Most High, meaning God, and shall, I don't want to use these two words, Wear out the saints of the Most High, God's people, and think to change the times of the season or the commandments of God. He shall wear out the saints that love the Most High. Oftentimes, Satan comes. This is too loud if it is. I'll try to. 
Oftentimes, Satan comes in big storms. He comes, um, he comes and he brings, um, he brings cancer in somebody's life. And how many of you know that's brought on by the enemy? Yeah, he brings cancer in somebody's life. Or he goes and he, he rips a marriage apart, which rips children apart, and which rips families apart. Uh, apart. A so he'll rip out a marriage. He'll bring a, some type of sickness and disease on some, somebody. So he'll, he'll bring big things at your life. But if you do not uh, fall to his tactics, if you, do not, if you do not waver from God during those big attacks and those things that are coming up on your life all at one time, that seems like they would destroy you. If you'll stand strong in your faith, you'll see the salvation of the Lord come to pass and bring deliverance in your life. Can somebody, yeah, I'll take an amen just somewhere here, okay? Uh, somewhere, okay? Don't matter where, just, just, just give me one or an old, or an old amen Baptist. Amen or something. But, but he'll come at any time and any moment and bring those things in our life. And you and I don't have control of those. We, we don't have control of those. So if he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he, he uh, means to take you out with that, but your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ stands strong and firm, and you see the salvation of the Lord bring you out of that, and we all say amen to that. So if he can't take you, if he can't get you that way, and I'm not here to glorify the devil, but the Bible says that we should, be, we should bring light upon the schemes and tactics of Satan. So if he can't get you like that, then he will bring other tactics and other means to get you away from God. And the Bible paints this picture in Daniel chapter 7 verse 25 in Matthew chapter 12, I mean excuse me, 24 and verse 12, that that's the way the enemy is going to work in the last days like never before. He is going to try to wear you out. He's going to try to wear you out. I have seen saints that have lost their desire to read their Bible. They've lost their desire to pray. They've lost their desire to witness for God. They've lost their desire to give. And they've lost their desire to work in the kingdom of God. They've lost their desire. They once was on fire for God. They once was walking after God, Sister Debbie, in a great and mighty way. They once loved the Lord with all their heart, all their soul, and all their mind, Sister Tina. And they were working for God, and they were on fire for God, Sister. And they, they loved the Lord, and they were witnessing, and they were reading their Bible, and they were praying, and they had a passion for God like never before in their life. But now I see those same some of those same people, even some of the older saints that have lost their desire to go to the house of God. They have lost their desire to read their Bible. They have lost their desire to pray. They've lost their desire to witness. They've lost their desire to work in the house of God. I made a statement last week that don't think you're in until you hear the door, the, the gate click behind you in heaven. Heard an old preacher say that one time. Because my father-in-law told me one time, he said, Son, the devil doesn't care how long it takes to get you just so he gets you. 
How true that statement is. Years later, I didn't, you know, I was young then. I really didn't pay a whole lot of attention uh, to that statement my father-in-law said. And it really wasn't any big deal then because I was in church. I was in church, but I really wasn't in church. I, I was in church, but I really wasn't serving God like I should have been. I was in church, but I really wasn't reading my Bible. I was in church, but I really wasn't praying. I was in church, but I really wasn't witnessing. I was in church, but I really wasn't worshiping. And so I was a young man, so the statement really didn't take an effect in me. But I understand it really more now that the enemy does not care how long it takes to get you just so he takes you out. So Daniel makes a plain statement here, and Matthew makes a plain statement here. So what, is, uh, what does the Scripture mean in Daniel chapter 7 and uh, Matthew chapter 24? What does it paraphrase? What is the, what is the dialogue of it? Uh, it says that the enemy will wear down his saints. The Scripture has two major ramifications here. People in God's church will love him less and less and less. And number two, they will love each other less and less. We will see the effects of the temperature dropping spiritually of people's love for each other, the relationships between brothers and brothers and sisters and sisters, and the reducing time of respect for God. Uh, how many of you will at least agree with me that saying that we're living in a time and an age where people don't respect God anymore. You know, people, my old granddaddy and, and, and my other granddaddy on my other side, my, my, both of them, I believe, come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. But the old generation, I mean, I'm talking about three or four generations back, the, the old generation, uh, some of them old men and women might have not have went to church, but they had respect for God. They had, a, they, had a, they had some type of respect for God. Uh, and we're living in a generation where we don't have respect for God anymore. Where's that respect for God? And now we've not only lost our respect for God, because when you lose your respect for God, you lose your respect for each other. And your love for each other. Sin is at hate, at haste, and repent is at leisure. Assuming that he will forgive our trespasses quick, yet we will gossip about our church friends, take advantage about the kindness and forgiveness, and betray them that we have covenant with. Also not respecting God or our brothers and sisters and our authority that God has set over top of us. None of these express godly love. We live in such a generation where kids don't respect their parents anymore. For the Bible says, and one of the top commandments is that if you, if you take care of your parents and love your parents and honor your parents, that you shall, live, uh, you shall live long upon this earth. I just heard a pastor not long ago said, we wonder why some people are dying so young. The Bible has made it very clear. I've never seen a generation in all of my life that disrespects their mom and disrespects their dad. If I'd have talked to my mom, can, can, can I just get a little mean here a little bit? If I'd have talked to my mom or I'd have talked to my dad the way some people, some kids talk to their mom and talk to their dad, I'd still probably be, it's hard to tell. 
I mean, my dad didn't put up with stuff, disrespect. And my mom didn't put up with disrespect. I mean, your butt was fried for disrespect. I'm not kidding. I love my mom and dad today, but they will, they will beat you for disrespect. And now kids, it doesn't matter anymore. They just did. And you know, I've never seen, I've never seen a time that we're living in, Sister Tina, where, where employees are disrespecting the bosses. They might not, you might not agree with them, but you don't have to cuss them and be disrespectful to them. So the disrespect is just little by little. We don't disrespect our bosses. We're not, we're, I mean, we respect our bosses or respect mom and dad or respect, any, respect anybody in authority anymore. It's just blown out. And God said, that is a sign in the last days. That's a sign. And he said, I'm wearing out the saints. He said, for your love is growing cold. We're seeing at this very moment people carelessness about coming to God's house. They're making all kinds of excuses. People are not reading their Bibles and praying. People are not fasting. People are not, <coughs> excuse me, people are more worried about their money than advancing king, God's kingdom. People are, more in, uh, people are not inviting people to God's church on a regular basis like before. And the enemy is at an all-out attack to wear the saints out. May I add, he's doing a pretty good job. Because of the, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 4, because of the increase of wickedness, listen to this, church, the love of most, the love of many will grow cold. He is not talking about the world. <coughs> Excuse me, church. <coughs> but he's talking about the church. He's talking about church people. The love of many, say with me, many. Many will grow cold. That is a sad statement, church. We don't preach this, but it's the truth. That the love of many will grow cold. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13 says, <clears throat> Therefore put on the full armor of God that, that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, ground and after you have done everything the Bible says for you to do what? And to stand. Meaning you better be aware of the times we're living in. You better be aware of it. You better, what we better as a, as a, a, a people of God, as God's church, as God's chosen, be aware we're living in those times. Be aware. It says, keep a watch over your soul. Keep your heart burning for God. Quit making excuses. After you have done everything the Bible says to stand. Why do you think you're feeling like you're feeling? Is it because you're wearing down gradually? He is wearing down your spirit, your soul gradually. We only look at the big problems and the big situations at the big circumstances. But we have to understand that Satan is very strategic in what he does. He seduces us, say little, by little. Let's say by little, by little. How many of you felt in the last, just the last year, You've been walking with God, trying to read your Bible, trying to pray, maybe trying to do a, a little fasting and going to church. And then 
one thing happens, and then another thing happens, and then something else happens, and then another thing happens, and you get three months out, and the washing machine breaks down, and you get two months out, and your car breaks down, and you three weeks out, and you you know the doctors give you a bad re- <coughs> excuse me, is give you a bad report, and well, thank you, sister, so much. God bless you. Thank you. Excuse me. Thank you. One thing after another happens. How many of you have seen that happen? Just maybe in the last year. And then you start to think, let's say it together, what's the use? Let's say it together, what's the use? You know, I've I've been praying. I've been reading my Bible. I've been going to church. and, And I've been trying to do the right thing. And then one thing after another, after another, after another. And then I said, you know what I said? I'll up my Bible reading a little bit more. I'll up my prayer life a little bit more. I might fast a little, maybe a little bit. And I'll, and I'll do, I'll try to just move on in a little bit. And lo and behold, here it comes again. Come on, church. Yeah, kids are acting all crazy. This is going on and that's happening. And you say it again, maybe not with your mouth, but in your heart. What's the use? And that's where the enemy wants to get you and I. I had a man to tell me just the other day, he said, I mean, it's been one thing after another, after another, after another. And he looked me in the eyes and he said, Pastor, I just felt like just giving up and saying, what's the use? And this gentleman has been in church and God's used him greatly, been in church for years. But he's just been going through so many things in his life that he said, I felt like saying, what's the use? That's what the enemy is after. To get you to the point where you say, what's the use anymore? What's the use to serve God? What's the use to go to church anymore? Why do I I need to go to church? I don't get anything out of church. Why should I read my Bible? Why should I pray? Why should I I have a, a, a fellowship with other believers? It's just not working. That's where the enemy wants to get you remember excuse me remember in uh in judges chapter 16 where the story of samson and delilah samson and here's a great picture of how the enemy will take you down the road and you just give up your consecration you give up your separation that you have had for the Lord. Samson was a Nazarite, and Nazarites were consecrated unto God. Satan knew the source of his power was, his, was in his consecration. Listen, saints of God, Satan knows that our power in our lives is in the consecration and in our testimony. And he used Delilah in Judges chapter 16 to come against Samson. And as you read, and I'm going to take the time to read it, but if you, as you read uh, 15 through 17, yes, I am. I, I feel like I need to read it. Verse 15 says, And he said unto him, thou hast, How canest thou say, I love thee, when thy heart is not with me? Thou hast mocked me 
with these three at these three times. Now Delilah had tried to to come against Samson and try to figure out his power in three or four different ways, and has not told me wherein that great strength lieth. And it come to pass when she pressed him daily with her words. How many you say the de- the devil presses you daily with his words? Amen. And urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. That he told her all of his heart and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon my head. He gave his secret to his power away. He gave his consecration and he gave his dedication away to Delilah. And he was the strongest man in the east at that time. In the oldest, in the Old Testament, Samson was the strongest man in the East at that time when he shared his power with Delilah. In the New Testament, it refers that when you and I become strong Christians in the Lord, listen, church, don't ever think that you can outwit the devil. Don't ever think you can outcun the devil. Don't think you can ever outwit the devil. You need the Holy Spirit. You need to stay in your Bible. You need to stay on your knees. You need to fast. You need God's church. You need God's people. And you need to worship. Don't ever think that you can ever do it on your own. Don't ever think that you're going to make it to heaven on your own. Let me tell you, the devil is so extremely deceptive. The Bible tells you and I in the last days that many will be, help me out, finish it, many will be deceived. I don't want to be deceived in the last days. And I know you don't. I know you don't want to be deceived in the last days. But he says many will be deceived in the last days. There's a process that the enemy takes us through. And if we don't recognize what it is, the Bible says that there will be a great falling away in our life. That means those that were in the faith at once, but then they were gradually reduced down to not walking with God. That's scary, church. In your home, there is depression. He's wearing you out. On your job, there is oppression. He's wearing you out. In the church, you feel as though no one loves you. He's wearing you out. He's wearing you down gradually until you don't want to come to church no more. You don't want to read your Bible anymore. You don't want to pray anymore. You don't want to seek God anymore. And once again, you say to yourself, let's say it together, what is the use? Tina says, let's worship, let's lift our hands up, and your spirit is vexed. Why Why is it vexed? Because the enemy, little by little by little, Sister Rosemary, by little by little, is doing everything he can do to vex your eternal soul. And I'm here this morning to say, let's wake up. I'm here this morning to say, God is on our side. I'm here this morning to say, if God be for me, then who 
can be against me. I'm here this morning to say, let's get the fire back in our spirit. I'm here this morning to say, let's get back on our knees where the fire comes for, for, from, excuse me, and seek God and go after God and get fire back in our bosom. I'm saying, let's get this old timey Bible that took my grandmother to heaven and took my granddaddy to heaven and worked with my great grandmother and my great granddaddy and took some older saints to heaven. I'm saying, let's get back in this word. Let's get a fire for God. Let's get a desire for God. Let's get a desire for his word. Let's get a desire to pray. Let's get a desire to fast. Let's get a desire to witness. Let's get a desire to go after God. Let's get a desire not to be cold and indifferent. Let's get on fire for God. If God is for me, who can be against me? Devil, you are a liar. God, you're going to work it out in my life. Let's give the Lord a hand. Revelations chapter 4, excuse me, chapter 2, in verse 4 through 6. I'm going to close with this. John is on the Isle of Patmos, and he is writing to the churches that are going to be ahead, the churches at that time and the churches later. God gives him a foresight of the end time. And this is what he wrote. Revelations chapter 2, verse 4 through 5. John writing to a church that has become lukewarm. It says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against you because you have left your first love. What does that mean, Pastor? It means that you once loved the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. It, it, it means that you once walked with God daily. It's once, it meant you once was on fire for the Lord. It means you gave your heart and life for the Lord and you had a zeal for God. And it said, nevertheless, I have somewhat against you because you've left. You've walked off from your first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen and repent and do your first works over means get your fire back or else I'm going to come unto thee quickly and I'm going to remove listen I'm going to remove that candlestick out of this place except you repent he says so or else I'm going to come unto thee quickly and remove the candlestick. So I started thinking about the candlestick. The candlestick represents light in the house of God. The candlestick represents the Holy Spirit. The candlestick represents power. The candlestick represents the anointing. And he says, unless you repent of your coldness and your indifference... I'm going to come and I'm going to remove the anointing. I'm going to remove the power. I'm going to remove the anointing that I placed on your life if you don't repent of your lukewarmness. God, the Holy Spirit, explained a scripture to me that I have wondered for years what this scripture means. I never could figure out what the Bible meant when the Bible says... When they come to me and say, I have casted out devils, 
I've laid hands on the sick, and Jesus says to them, depart from me, I never knew you. I never could figure that. I said, Lord, what's that scripture mean? And the Lord showed me as I was continually working on my sermon this morning. He said, son, it means that they once laid hands on the sick. They once casted out devils. They once was on fire for me. They once did it, but now they come before me and they've been cold and they're indifferent and they lost their way with me. Now I have to say to them, yes, you did this, but depart from me. I have never knew you. Could it be that we once could be so far on fire for God, walking with God, living for God, going after God, going to church? Well, I used to go to church. I used to, how many people have you talked to who said, I used to go to church? And I, I used to go. Well, you're used to is not going to get you in. Well, I used to go with my mother. Well, that's not going to get you in. I used to go with my dad and my family, but that's not going to get you in. I want to challenge you this morning. We need to get our power back. We need to get our separation from the world back. We need to get our consecration back, our love back, our excitement back, our respect back, our fight back, and our dedication back. Jesus is coming soon, church. This is no time to be dropping out of church. This is no time to have a lukewarm prayer life, a lukewarm Bible reading life. This is no time to have unforgiveness in your life. This is no time to sit by the wayside not serving. This is no time to have a spirit of grumbling and complaining. Jesus is coming back, and you don't need to be left behind because you've let the devil deceive you little by little by little. I want to end with this. Let's get our feet back on the ground, and let's get our fight back. Let's get our rededication back. Let's get our consecration back. Let's get our separation back. Let's get our feet allowed to respect and to people and respect other people and respect authority. Let's get our love back for each other. Let's get our testimony back. Let's get our fire back again. Let's say, God, give it back to me again. I might have lost it, but God, I'm asking you. You, you know, we've got people that, let, let me say this, and the Lord just dropped this in my spirit. We have people that have hurt people very badly in church. I've said before, sheep abide. And we have people sitting in our congregations all over America that has been hurt by other church members. They've been hurt by pastors. And they say, what's the use? And you know the way, and I want to end with this, you know the way that some church people act, and the way, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm a pastor, the way some pastors ha have, have allowed things to happen in their life, I say, no wonder some people don't go to church. But we are to love them, and we are to believe that God is bringing our family in. God is bringing our friends in. but God is bringing our moms in and our dads in and our children in. And God, give me the fire back. Let's say it again. God, 
Give me my fire back. Give me my fire back to read my Bible. Give me my fire back to pray. Give me my fire back to witness. Give me my fire back to work for you. God, I want my fire back. I don't care what it takes, God. Plant a fire back in me. Maybe I've grown cold. Maybe I've grown indifferent. But God, this morning I repent. I repent, God, and I ask you to give the fire back. Lord, if I've got sin in my heart, forgive me of it, God. If I've done you wrong, forgive me, God. If I've done somebody else wrong, forgive me, God. If I've got unforgiveness in my heart, forgive me, God. Today, I ask forgiveness, God. Bring the fire back. I want to read my Bible. I want to pray. I want to go to church. I want to be on fire for God. And when the trumpet sounds, I want to be ready to go. Amen, church. Let's give the Lord a hand as you stand this morning. Praise God. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, I want my fire back. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I want it back. How many of you know the devil wants to steal it from you? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's raise our hands up. Father, we thank you. Hallelujah. Enemy, you've tried to wear out your saints. They're tired. They just want to say, what's the use? Or I give up. Or it doesn't matter anymore. But Father, I'm here to encourage them this morning that God, if you be for them, who's going to be against them? I'm here to encourage them this morning that God, you are here today to plant a desire down in our spirit. So we'll get our fire back. Well, we'll want to read our Bible, pray, fast, seek God, witness, work for God. Father, we ask you in Jesus' name. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I want the fire back in my life. Just raise your hands. I want the fire. Wow. Wow. Most everybody. I want the fire back in my life. I want to serve God. I want to go to church. I want to live for God. I want to get sin out of my life. And I want to see God work in my life. How many of you want to see God work in your life? You get the fire back in your life, God's going to work in your life. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's just raise our hands before we close. And we're just going to rededicate our life to God this morning. (coughs) Oh, hallelujah. Father, we thank you this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Honey, y'all sing this chorus. Father, in Jesus' name. Father, renew renew the fire back in our spirit this morning. The enemy has tried to wear us out little by little by little. He's tried to wear us out. God, I ask you, I ask you this morning to give us our desire back to pray. Just give us our desire back to worship. Give us our desire for the Word of God. Give us our desire to worship. Give us our desire to to work in the kingdom of God. Father, would you give us our desire back? Father, we thank you, Lord. I pray, I pray that you'll touch everyone that's here this morning I pray as they go along this week that God that you will just continually work in their heart you will continually work in their spirits 
And God, as we rededicate our life back to you this morning, God, we just rededicate our Bible reading back to you. We rededicate our prayer life back to you. We rededicate our witnessing. We rededicate our worship. We rededicate the work of the Lord back to you today. Father, we're asking you to just move in our life. This week, just speak to us. This week, just move in our life. This this week, just touch situations in our life that need to be touched. Father, I pray. I pray that you will reach out and touch everyone's life today. And Lord, they'll see a, a change that they've come and met with God. This week, they'll see a change. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's sing this chorus one more time. Amen.